So we just finished Psalms and now we're going through uh, the letter of Peter we started last week. So we're looking at the first letter of Peter to, to Gentiles and Jewish believers that are scattered uh, in the uh, Roman world at that time. Uh, and we have been seeing uh, Peter is reminding these uh, mixture of Jewish and Gentile believers about their status in the world, that they are strangers and exiles. And starting with that, you know, uh, Peter starting with that uh, identity of, of these uh, believers, it helps them embrace this holy tension, which is the title of our last week's uh, message, embracing that tension that they live in. But more importantly, hindi lang yun yung sinabi ni Peter, he emphasized and proclaimed the work of the triune God in their life. And that's really important as we go through the series of, of Peter because what you will see, yung first half ng first Peter is all about uh, you know, setting their perspective correct uh, before we go into practices. So first half is about perspective. The second half is about practices of a resident alien, which is the, the theme of the whole series. But today, we are going to look at uh, Apostle Peter's encouragement to these uh, Christians who are most likely poor, who are definitely persecuted, unwelcomed uh, by the society. And it would be natural for these Christians uh, to approach their Christian walk with a gloomy uh, and, and, uh, and sad outlook. Hindi sila... Um, seemingly victorious. Just keep in mind, even though you know we look at these uh, uh, these letters, they are not super Christians. They are ordinary men and women like you and me who struggle from day to day. And yung kanilang situation being in that tension of living in you know uh, different cultures, they are considered actually a cult. At that time, and at, at a certain point, Christianity became illegal. So it's really possible for them to have this defeated uh, Christian outlook, just waiting for their final relief, either by death or the coming of the Lord. So they needed to hear these encouragements, and so do we. Uh, it's normal. It will be natural for them to, you know, to ask questions like, uh, am I wasting my life away because of me being a Christian, me following the Lord? Am I wasting my life away here? Is this really worth it? You know, some of them might be asking, am I missing out on opportunities in my life? Am I missing out situations or scenarios that will improve my life? Uh, am I missing out on being rich? Or they might ask, uh, am I putting myself and my family in danger, literally in danger by being a Christian? And these are possible and real and difficult questions that these Christians, these believers who are scattered, who are exiles, who are resident aliens, might be asking you know, in, on a daily basis. And to address this, Peter gives this encouragement before he moves on to, you know, to second half of chapter two onwards. 
um, about their ethics in, in the Christian walk. This, this uh, encouragement in verses 3 to 9, that even though uh, hardships are inevitable being a Christian, it is still possible to rejoice, right? Even though hardships are inevitable uh, across the board, whether you're Christian or not, more, more, uh, even more so if you're a Christian, um, but it's still possible to rejoice. You know, when you look at the world today, it seems like there are so many things, so many things that's causing us to despair. Just open your social media, open the news. Um, it's easy to be in despair. It's easy to fear. It's easy to respond in panic, uh, to lose sleep. Uh, and finding things that will bring us joy is becoming harder and harder, right? And this is why I think this exhortation uh, of, of Peter uh, in these verses is very relevant to us. So I hope this is uh, going to be an encouragement for you today. Um, when you are bombarded with, uh, with news and messages of despair and discouragement, we need to be reminded of a far greater reality that the scripture is telling us. Okay, so, so today, uh, as, as Ezra read to us uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, uh, allow me to share with you three reasons, three statements uh, on why we can rejoice even as we live as exiles, as sojourners, as uh, people that are scattered, as resident aliens, Three reasons to rejoice, all right? So reason number one and encouragement number one, rejoice because you are more alive than you know. You are more alive than you know. Verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Right? This is only the second time in the scripture that the phrase born again uh, was uh, uttered, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So friends, you are more alive because you are both physically and spiritually alive. In fact, you are more alive because you are spiritually uh, made alive uh, by God because God chose to be merciful to you, right? You know, I've been, uh, I've been mentioning, especially dun sa ating psalm series about, you know, families and uh, uh, finding security in God, uh, about this generation, our generation, our lifetime now is very pessimistic about uh, bringing a child into the world. Uh, I don't know if you have a friend like that or um, you yourselves have this pessimistic view of being married, having children, or uh, not having children, and, and things like that. Actually, I have seen an, an interview of a young person who said on camera na hindi, lang, hindi niya lang sinasabi na ayoko. Hindi niya lang sinasabing ayoko na magkaanak or mag, mag-asawa. Hindi lang yun yung sinasabi niya. In fact, there's a... There's a a claim that it's it's illogical and irresponsible 
to bring a child into this world. That, that's exactly what he said. It's, it's illogical and irresponsible to have children in this broken world. So in, 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 in this person's mind, if, if you desire to have children, if you have children, you're illogical and you're irresponsible. And if you look at the world, that may make sense, right? That, that may make sense. But the good news is for those who follow the Lord, um, even though we are born uh, in this same broken world, we are reborn by the Spirit destined for the world that is to come. Yes, I would, I would uh, empathize with that person saying it's illogical and irresponsible to have children or have family now if you don't have hope beyond this world. But that's the hope that we have. Our hope goes beyond this life. You see, when God caused us to be born again, He did not do so for the purpose of subjecting you to this cruel and hostile world. God made us spiritually alive so we can fully and completely enjoy our Creator. Without regeneration, which is the theological term of being born again, uh, we can never know and enjoy our God, right? Without regeneration, if you are not regenerated, you can never know and enjoy fully and completely your God. And sadly, that's the, that's the life of, of many people around us. That's the life of the person in that interview, that uh, he may appear to be alive and seeing the world as it is, but Yes, he is alive physically, but he is, you know, in, in the spiritual sense, he is dead. And this is how, you know, another letter, uh, another apostle describes uh, this situation. Apostle Paul uh, describes this situation in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, uh, let me read. Uh, Ephesians 4.17, this is his encouragement. Uh, and, and challenge to the people in Ephesus. So I say this and ins insist in the Lord that you no longer live as Gentiles or unbelievers do in the futility of their thinking. And in description, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. That's uh, the New English translation. So basically what, what Apostle Paul is saying here in, in, in Ephesians is that, yes, these people are alive, seemingly alive. They're, they're living their best life now but they're actually uh, walking uh, dead. That's, that's literally what's happening here. They are literally walking dead. They are alive physically, but spiritually dead. You know, there are many people, uh, and we need to look at this with, with, uh, with grief and compassion. Um, there are many people in this world who will show you that they are living their lives to the fullest. 
They are maximizing their time, their energy, their effort. They are saying, you only live once. We see their achievements, the milestones um, on the new social media, but their hope for those who do not follow the Lord, their hope does not go beyond the air in their lungs. No matter how much uh, achievement, living life to the fullest, living your best life now um, is happening, that all ends when the breath in their lungs is taken away. And that's what sets a Christian apart. That's, that's our good news, that purely by the mercy of God, he made you and me truly alive. Because our Savior is alive, we too are alive in the most real sense. The most real sense, not just uh, partially alive, not just walking dead, but truly alive. And, and here's the critical part in this section of our passage. The basis of this new life that you have, the basis of this regeneration, being born again, is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. And it's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, being born again, listen to this, being born again is not your choice nor your decision. It is not your choice nor your decision. Now think about it. Do you, do you know of a baby that was conceived and born because the baby decided to be born? Because the baby decided, I want to be, I want to be born today. The, the means for that to happen and the decision does not lie on the baby. It lies on, on the parents, right? It must come from somewhere. You know, the, the phrase born again in the past 20 years, uh, you know, outside of uh, the Christian circles, the phrase na born again is, is actually a derogatory term. It became a derogatory term. But being born again is not a religious or organization or just a, a system of belief. It's a spiritual state that you do not have a hand in. It's a spiritual state that you do not have a hand in, but you experience it nonetheless. And this is comforting because if this new life that you have right now is not dependent on your decision or your choice, you have no capacity to undo it. You have no capacity to reverse the process. Here's the bad news. Here's, here's the, you know, a sobering reminder. You can respond to as many altar calls as you want. You can raise your hand, uh, run, to the, run to the stage because the, the preacher said, you know, come, to, come to the altar or whatever. You can, you can attend all spiritual retreats, revival concerts, you can be baptized multiple times in different ways. If you like immersion, sprinkle, spray gun, whatever. <laughs> you can get involved in many ministries that you like. 
if God did not cause you to be alive spiritually, all those religious acts are worthless. They're nothing. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, friends. If God made you spiritually alive, if you are spiritually alive, if you are born again, if you are regenerated, there's nothing you can do to revert your spiritual state. There's nothing you can do. Not only that, but to those whom God made alive, you will definitely and eventually show visible fruits of that new life. It may not happen the moment um, uh, your, your life has been regenerated, the moment you have been born again, uh, but that will eventually bear fruit and that will start with repentance and faith. And this is the hope of the Christians at that time and even us today, that you, you are made alive fully in the physical, spiritual, in the holistic sense. You are truly alive by the mercy of God through the resurrection of your Savior. So friends, even though you may suffer physical ailments today, you may be suffering you know, chronic ailment. Uh, I was reading uh, very briefly yung uh, storing Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon is a, is a preacher. He, he suffered all his life with depression um, and he had physical ailments uh, that he had to suffer. Uh, in fact, yung kanyang asawa said, um, we don't know if he'll be able to preach again because of those ailments. Even though you, you, know, you get uh, Delta variant of COVID, although I don't want that to happen for all of us. But even though that may happen in our physical body, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are still more alive than you know. It's like what uh, Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, though outwardly we are wasting away, we are being renewed day by day. That's our hope. That's our encouragement. Encouragement number two. So, Yes, you are more alive than you know. Number two, you can rejoice because you are richer than you think. You are richer than you think. Look at verse four. God made you alive, right? Not only that, he has given you an inheritance in verse four that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, hindi vault sa bangko lang, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How, how beautiful that uh, inheritance. Um, I don't know if you, you are a recipient of an inheritance in your family, maybe a land, a business, um, um, a home, car, you know, stocks, um, you know, but all those are perishable. Those are, they depreciate in value. You know, they say land is a good uh, investment because it only appreciates in value. But wait for the flood to come. And let's see if that appreciates in value still. 
you know, when the Bible talks about inheritance, especially in the Old Testament, it refers uh, to, for, for the large part, uh, uh, land and, and property. You know, for instance, um, we see in Joshua and, and the people of Israel entering promised land, that is their inheritance. Yun yung kanilang inheritance. In, in fact, uh, define na kung kanino yung mga uh, different parts of uh, that land as inheritance. But the tragedy is uh, they were not able to faithfully uh, accomplish the provisions of, of that uh, inheritance. They were unable to fulfill the stipulations. That's why they had problems along the way. They had enemies on their left and on their right. And the land, even today, is, is, uh, is a subject for conflict. But fast forward, fast forward to the New Testament, we have these uh, believers who are not just Jewish, they, they, uh, they don't practice Judaism. So yung kanilang, when, they talk about, when we talk about inheritance, it's no longer land because they don't live in, uh, in the uh, geographical uh, Israel anymore. Uh, this is this is a different thing. This is a different uh, uh, inheritance. Remember, during the first and second century, if you look at you know his, history, uh, historical books, yung Christian persecution is really uh, intense during that uh, first and even more so second century, and that meant for for many believers they may lose their livelihood or worse, their life. So it's very likely if you're a Christian at that time, if you're one of uh, these believers in Pontus, in Cappadocia, uh, in, in Galatia, um, you, you are most likely economically challenged. You're most likely poor. Yes, there were uh, rich Christians at that time. Merong mga uh, well-off na mga Christians, but that's because they were they were already rich before they became Christians. Parang in their society, if you're a, a, a Christian, um, yung mga uh, yung mga opportunities that you may have uh, is removed from you. Uh, because the, 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 the economy or the society and the situation does not play your way. But what you will find amazing in, in history is even though these believers are at a disadvantage economically and socially, they are known to be surprisingly generous. They are surprisingly generous. They practice hospitality. They, they welcome friends and strangers in their homes, they willingly give to those who are in need, to those who are widows, to those who are orphans. They adopt unwanted children. During that time in the Roman uh, Empire, kapag yung baby uh, deformed yung muka or they don't want the baby, they leave it in a mountain. They leave children uh, somewhere out of sight. You know what Christians do? They bring these children, unwanted children, home. They care for the sick. They still pay taxes. 
to an empire that's out to get them. Keep in mind, this was a time when being a Christian is to be considered a second-class citizen, a disruptor of peace, and, and a criminal. And, and that's, that astounds uh, the people at that time. Why would these people be generous uh, in, in a situation that they are at a disadvantage? You know, I think that's because they value their heavenly inheritance much more than earthly possession. Here's what Jesus uh, tells us about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. Matthew 6, 19 uh, to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pastor, ibig sabihin ba nito, we walk away from anything that will enrich our lives? Ibig sabihin ba nito, Pastor, uh, I, I would desire to be poor, Look at this a very practical uh, reminder of Apostle Paul uh, in Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, uh, 17. As for the rich in this present age, meaning you are rich um, in the earthly standards, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So enjoy uh, the opportunities that you have. They are, ito yung uh, reminder ni Paul, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves, a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What Paul is saying here and what Peter is saying in our passage is that, yes, you can, you can experience richness in this life, but the richness that you have in Christ, the heavenly treasures that you have far outweighs anything that you may have here. And if we truly understand that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, then we can truly be generous regardless of your economic status. Regardless of your economic status. That means, friends, if if you have an opportunity to explore means to enrich your life, The motivation for those who follow the Lord no longer is about enriching yourself. It's about helping others, becoming a blessing to others. And we only do that if we realize that you already have enough in Christ. You already have enough in Christ. I don't know if you're trying to imagine what kind of inheritance that you will have. Uh, that is waiting for you, 
Maybe you can take a moment to, to, to imagine what that looks like. Maybe you're imagining you know, a big mansion, your dream home, your dream situation. Let me tell you, whatever you're trying to imagine, multiply that to infinity. That's the inheritance waiting for you. And that's because you are not just receiving, you will not just receive a, a gift, you will receive the giver. You will receive the focal point of all creation to enjoy for eternity. So if you are a Christian trying to make ends meet, as I think uh, many of us are, know that you are richer than you think. You are richer than you think because there is an inheritance that you cannot fully consume that is reserved in heaven for you. But if you have been given by God uh, the opportunity to be rich here on earth, know that still no amount of riches can compare to the inheritance that is secured for you. And so because of that, I would encourage you to be generous. Be generous with your time, with your effort, with your resources. You might as well use uh, these uh, riches to enrich the lives of others. So encouragement number two to these persecuted, poor, uh, disadvantaged Christians, they can rejoice because they are more rich. They are richer than they think. The last encouragement. We can rejoice because we are more secured than we imagine. You are more secured than you imagine. Verse 5 to 7 of our passage. So we have been born uh, to this living hope. We have an inheritance. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved for, by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are secure because of two things, because God is preserving you, He's protecting you. He's guarding you. And two, because God is refining you. Those are two uh, different functions. When we say God is preserving you, he is protecting you from, you know, from uh, deterioration, right? You, you, and preservation is, you know, when you preserve something, you, you keep its value, right? But when you refine something, you refine it by improving its value. And, and that's the work of God uh, both ways in our lives. And, and the interesting here, talking about refining, uh, is that the means by which God refines us is through suffering. Through suffering. You know, in the hands of a loving God, suffering is never in vain. It has a purpose. And trials and afflictions, keep this in mind, friends, trials and afflictions are not hindrances to faith. 
On the contrary, they reveal genuine faith. You know, we cannot say, siguro mas mas magiging mature ako na Christian kapag you know if I'm in a in a in a really good comfortable church if if I have this good Bible if I have uh, this stack of books if if I have a you know a a, a great uh, well accomplished pastor I will be a mature Christian. You know what will make you uh, a refined Christian? Suffering, suffering. And that's what our text is teaching us, that anything that is of high value, anything that is valuable must be tested to reveal its authenticity, right? That's, that's the way of the world. If you have something valuable, gold, diamonds, expensive cars, they go through some kind of testing, sometimes multiple testing to determine whether it's real or not. So yung analogy na ginamit in, in our text is gold. And, um, you know, you can do this simple um, test called acid test, uh, specifically to gold, to determine if it's real or fake. So, um, you know, just pour uh, vinegar on, on a, a piece of jewelry that's, meant, uh, that's supposedly gold. If it changes color, it's fake. If you want to... To elevate that, use nitric acid. So we need we need vinegar in our lives. We need nitric acid in our life to determine uh, the genuineness of our faith. It's necessary to define and reveal our value. And what does genuine faith looks like? Look at the last two verses in our text. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. It is marked, genuine faith is marked with love, with obedience and rejoicing. Love, obedience, and rejoicing. And, And speaking of joy, uh, remember this passage in in James. This just the the letter prior to First Peter, James chapter one, verse two. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking. In nothing. If you're ex- uh, experiencing testing and trial today, that's the Lord refining you, refining you to shine as gold. So God is actively at work in preserving, in protecting, in refining his people today. And he is preserving you and refining you until his work of salvation in your life is completed. Pastor, paano ko malalaman na yung work of salvation ni God sa akin ay complete? Kapag ba marami na akong uh, na-evangelize, kapag nakatapos ba ako ng seminary, does that mean the work of salvation in my life is complete? 
paano ko malalaman na yung work ni God in, in my life is complete? There are actually only two scenarios when, when you will know that the work of God is complete in your life. Number one, when He returns. Or number two, when He calls you home. When either of the two happens, you know the work of the Lord in your life is complete. When you come home, we don't know when that, when that will happen. You will come home complete. The work of God in your life is complete. Nothing is unfinished. And when He returns, you will not say, Wait lang, Lord, hindi pa tapos. When He returns or calls us home, here in the power of Christ we stand. So what we see here, the reason why we can rejoice because we are secured, more secure than we imagine, because we see a God who is at work in your regeneration, in your sanctification through trials and testing until your glorification. God is the one at work in our regeneration by his mercy. God is the one at work in our sanctification through the Holy Spirit, using trials and testing, and that will complete until your glorification when the work of God in your life is complete. And so when we think about the magnitude of divine guidance that we receive, the divine preservation, the, the protection that God gives us, the, the, the refining that we experience in the hands of God, then the challenges that the hostile world will, uh, will bring to us pales in comparison. So when we think of those things, the, the, the security that we have in God, we can say to the world, bring it on. Bring it on. So if we are secured, friends, if we are secured in the preservation and the refining of our Lord, then we can face rough days ahead of us. We do not have to go through life with a gloomy outlook. We do not have to be a defeated or disengaged Christian. We can rejoice. And let me summarize. We can rejoice because you are more alive than you know. We can rejoice because you are richer than you think. And we can rejoice because we are more secured than we can ever imagine. And this is all possible through, only through our union with Christ and nothing else. The assurance of regeneration, the promise of inheritance, the hope of God's uh, preservation in, in our life, cannot be attained by anything but our union with Christ Jesus. In him, we live and move and have our being. And in him, we have life. Let's pray. Father, as we remember, just like what we are studying in 1 Peter, that there are challenges ahead of them. There are rough days ahead of us as well. There are uncertainties that may cause us to despair, that may cause us to, to panic, to complain, to grieve. 
Lord, remind us of these words, that we have a life beyond this world, that we have an inheritance that is secured, that is undefiled, that is imperishable, that we are secured in your hands. Let these reminders be be the cause of our joy through the challenges ahead. Lord, when we experience uh, trials and testing, help us to welcome it because it's your means to refine us, to test the genuineness of our faith. And may you find us faithful, Lord. And even then we confess that there are many times that we are faithless. And so we need Christ, the true faithful one, to be our savior, to be our redeemer on a daily basis. In him, we put our trust. Lord Jesus, we trust you more and more. Help us trust you more and more, just like the song that we sang earlier. In your name we pray. Amen.